0: Let's pray over the Word this way. I'm going to get right into it. Father God, we love you so very much. We can't even comprehend, God, what you have done for us. And so, Father, we just come to this place today. Lord, with open hearts, open ears, open minds, God, to just take in your word and apply it to our life, God, even to look at it as if we've never seen it before and, Lord, reevaluate our lives and say, God, Lord, am I in line with you? God, I want, uh, Lord, not just to live a Christian life of what I measure by the world standards or, God, or or what people say a Christian life should look at, but, Lord, I want to open your word and, and just read it for what it is. God, and apply it to my life and and say, today is a new day. God, how does this word apply to me today? How can I go from this place changed and renewed and being obedient, a faithful steward of God, all that you've entrusted to me. And we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to direct us in that way. God, let it be a radical thing in our life when we read your word. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. 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 Luke chapter 16, if you turn there with me. We are part, we started a, Last week, or two weeks ago, uh, starting a new series called Faith and Duty. Faith and Duty, uh, part of our Words in Red series. But we're looking at, over the next several weeks, uh, leading up until uh, the end of the year, we are looking at some of the radical, sometimes weird, conversations of of parables that Jesus had and very, very radical, very challenging. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm setting you up over these next several weeks because I I want you to be prepared to not be offended at what Jesus is saying, but to take it in, right? Because he's going to challenge us. uh, And he was a radical guy and the disciples were these radical guys that accepted this call. And so we're looking at, uh, this morning, if I titled this specific passage, I would call it Givers or Gainers. Givers or Gainers. And you know that uh, we know today, with the way the world is going, that being a good Christian in this world, people's going to naturally hate you. You're going to make enemies by being a good Christian. But you know at the same time, you can make a lot of friends. You can make a lot of friends. You know the early church was so filled with the Holy Spirit, but yet they were also very creative very dynamic, and they infiltrated so many places. They inf- Paul uh, infiltrated governors' mansions. They were from peasants to governors. They were infiltrating all levels of society by the power of the Holy Spirit, but with some also very creative and all really clever ways that they were advancing the gospel, unusual ways sometimes that they would advance the gospel. And uh, we're going to talk this morning that it, with the help of the Holy Spirit and by being good stewards with the gifts and things that God has called you are given to you, the resources God has given to you, you can creatively use the world's goods for God's glory. You can creatively use the things of this world for the glory of God, to win souls for Jesus Christ. We have a lot of resources we can use to see people come to know Him. And what if, here's the question for today, let this sink in. What if God's people pursued the things of God like the people of the world pursued the things of the world? What if the people of God pursued the things of God like the people of the world pursued the things of the world? What would we look like? What would we look like? Look with with me. Luke chapter 16. We tell us a story this morning. Jesus gives us a story. There's this rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to the rich man as squandering his possessions. And he called and he said to this manager, What is this I hear about you? Given an account of your management. For you can no longer be manager. And so the manager said to himself, Well, what shall I do? Since my manager is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I don't know what to do. So I know what I'll do. So when I'm removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And so he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began to saying to the first one, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Well, take your bill, sit down, write it quickly, write fifty. And he said to the other, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And so he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Let's pause there. What's going on here? Okay, To be a steward, this man was called a steward. Some of your Bibles probably say steward. Steward was like the chief butler of the estate. So you think in your mind, a very rich and wealthy man, okay? He's got a large estate, big family, lots of things to oversee. The steward would be the head butler, basically, of over all the estate. He would manage the money, oversee all the other servants. So there would be people underneath him. And he would manage, okay, how's the fields doing? Let's invest the master's money this way. How's that doing? Make sure you're doing your job. Kitchen, are you cooking the good food? Servants, are you got the beds made? He does all these things. And he was a great responsibility to be a steward. It was an honored position. Even though you were a slave, it was an honorable position. It was actually higher. You, could, you were the highest of the high. You know, like you in society, you actually had more authority than even the normal people out on the street because you were the master's slave. Somebody see some parallels in here. Come on. And then, so uh, it was this honorable position. But this guy was crooked. This guy was crooked. He was accused of wasting his rich master's money master entrusted him all of his possessions, said, here's all the resources I have to give to you. I give them to you. Use them. Make sure you're increasing and doing a good stewardship with what I've given, right? But he was crooked. He started wasting, kind of pulling things in on his own. So the master finds out. He's like, you're about to be fired. I'm going through all my records here. And so before the master got there, he goes and goes to all these people that he's been working deals out with, and he says, hey, take that receipt, scribble that number out that you owe him, and I'm going to give you a break because I'm going to get fired anyway. Hey, pretend let's just say you owed 100. Now you really owe me 80. Are you owed it? You owed 80? Okay, you really only owe 50. And so he began to make deals and so these people are like, "Man, I like this guy. He gave me a break. He cut me a deal." They're all shrewd the he's saying they're all shrewd anyway. So, uh, and so the master found out he was cheated and he says, "This guy cheated me. I, I, he fired me and then he's, you know, uh, stabbed me in the back on the way out." But he says, I had to hand it to him, though. I had to hand it to him because he's pretty smart. He washed out for himself. He's got those street smarts. He's very clever. He's shrewd. He looked out for himself. And what if, and Jesus has given us this parable this morning, what if, what if the church was as cunning to reach souls as the world is to reach the things of the world? What if we were so heavenly minded and so focused on reaching the lost and building up the kingdom of God like the world is building up their own kingdoms? Jesus is making a contrast here this morning. He's saying, hey, people of this world, they, want it. they know what they want and they go after it. But what about the church? What about the church? Look with me. We're going to go verse by verse. Uh, Stay with me in this passage. We're just going to stay here this morning. Verse 8 at the end. He says, For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Stop there. Shrewd. It means this. It means sharp powers of judgment, to be astute or sharp-witted. It means to be intelligent, clever, or canny. Those are words we don't use a whole lot anymore. But to be astute, sharp-witted, intelligent. Uh, clever, I like clever the best. You know, people, uh, in this world survive by getting ahead and using their wits. They, they have business smarts and some people have street smarts. Uh, they know how to undercut one another to get ahead and they play this game. You know, think about big business and entertainment and politics. They're always undercutting one another, making the deals, making sure they got the right friends in the right places to know how to advance and it, what is they doing? They're building up their own glory and they're making friends to do it, right? They're using their, their pull, their sway, their reputation, the, the uh, smarts that they have, the finances that they have uh, for personal gain. But in the big scheme of things, they're devouring one another. This world is consuming itself, and they're, they're cutting uh, corners, they're jumping ahead. You know, you look, think about Enron and things like this that, that's happened in just the last, what, few years. They're just cutting, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, cutting out other people. But they knew what they wanted, and they went for it. And he's saying, well, the sons of this world are like that to one another. And you think about this, they have cleverness. But they also have this pursuit that they're after. And the people of this world, they use their very best to pursue gain gang and, and making rich. You think about it this way. Think about that CEO who sells out his values to make another buck. Think about that husband or that man who spends all that time uh, working overtime and sacrifices his family just to get that new boat. Right? Uh, think about the, the alcoholic or the addict uh, who sells themselves to get what they want. Think about, uh, if you will, the, uh, the woman who suffers altering her body or will sacrifice uh, food or, or surgery just for the praise of others. This world is willing to sacrifice themselves and their everything to get what they want. What about the church? Jesus is asking us today, what about the church? What are we willing to sacrifice and to pursue? What are we willing to give all that we have to? If we were to measure today the world's pursuit of gain against our pursuit of the lost, how would we fare? If we were to look at the church in America today and say, let's look at corporate America and the church today, and corporate America is pursuing what they want and they're getting it. What about the church of America today? Are we pursuing something? Are we sacrificing for something? Are we shrewd in, in the spiritual sense? Are we clever? What if God's people had the same survival instincts as the world does for their own? What, what if we sacrificing uh, for gaining? What if we were as witty as the world and creative as the world to get what God has called us to get? Think about it this morning. Look at the next verse, verse 9. And he says, I say to you, Make This is the verse that is going to shock you. You ready? Here it goes. You prepared yourself. You all here this morning? It's challenging, but let's take it in, all right? Verse 9. And he says, I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the internal dwelling. Some of you will say, by means of mammon, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwelling. He says, make for yourself... Friends by means of mammon, unrighteous wealth, so that they will invite you into eternal dwelling. What in the world is Jesus saying here? Because some of you are thinking Heath is about to go off on some weird doctrine, right? I looked at this verse, I studied this verse out for the last couple of weeks. It's been stirring in my heart as I read it. And I'm like, Lord, what in the world? You're telling me to go preach to the church, go get some evil money and use it for God's glory? You're telling me to go make friends of the world? You know, I remember that verse, James 4, he says, to be friends with the world is to be an enemy of God. Right? Well, God, what are you? Come out from one of them. Be the separate, right? Sanctified, holy. What are you telling us to do? Go make friends of the world with some money? And then I get to go to heaven? No, that can't be what you're saying. Let's look at this this morning. Look, we have to look at that. Whenever you find verses like this, you have to look at the context of so before and after. And mammon, we've preached this before. Mammon means the pursuit, not just of money, but it's the pursuit of gain. It's the pursuit of more, if you want to think of it that way. It may be wealth, it may be finances, it may be reputation, it may be industry, it may be uh, pride or beauty. It's the pursuit of more, the pursuit of gain, and it's for your glory. And he's saying, uh, people are in this world are making friends for themselves by pursuing more for their own glory. And he's saying, there's something in that for the church to learn. There's something in that for them to learn that God will honor you and invite you. You'll be a good steward of what God has given to you. And uh, let's look at this, friends. He's saying this today, that he's saying that using uh, that the world uses worldly wealth to make worldly friends and it's for their own glory. But you and I today can use world's wealth, the worldly wealth to make heavenly friends For God's glory. I'm going to say that again. People today are of the world. They're using worldly things for worldly gain. And they're making all kinds of friends doing it. But we can use the things of the world for the glory of God. We can use the worldly wealth that God has given unto us. The things of this world. The material possessions that God has given to us. To make friends that we'll have up in heaven for eternity. And it can be for God's glory. We, this world is all about a, a success and advancing. They're all about like this, this. Think about this steward. He was willing to undercut his master to make friends in the world, to, willing to gain worldly wealth. And Jesus is saying, look at this guy. What if we as the church were willing and we were so uh, heavenly minded that this worldly wealth meant nothing to us, the worldly pursuits, the worldly gain, the worldly uh, uh, things that the world looks to, that it meant nothing to us, but we could turn the tables upside down. We could turn this world's system upside down and say, I don't care about those things, but I'm clever enough and the Holy Spirit's using me enough that whatever God has given me and whatever is of this world, I'm going to flip it around and I'm going to give God the glory. I'm going to use whatever skills, talents, abilities God has given to me and I'm going to make friends that are going to go with me to heaven and God's going to get the glory. And I'm going to be as clever as God will allow me to be. I'm going to be as intelligent, I'm going to be as hardworking, I'm going to be all these things that the world thinks that they are gaining great eternal things, but I'm going to have eternal perspective, and I'm going to use the world's goods for the glory of God. I'm going to be a good steward. You know, God can sanctify worldly things and use them for His purposes. He can sanctify worldly things and use them for His purposes. There was a story of a taxi cab driver uh, shared with us at our district council meeting who God had given him a taxi, and he's over in uh, China and Indonesia somewhere. And uh, he began to use that as an evangelistic opportunity, he put in uh, evangelistic tracks for every language of a person at this international airport. they get into his car, he'd see what nationality they are, and while they're sitting in his cab, he got a pastor. He kidnapped a few pastors to make them, uh, give him a 30-minute a track on uh, in that language of that story, of, uh, or the, uh, sorry, the uh, testimony of that pastor, uh, the gospel road. And so he puts that in there. That's his. That's what God gave him. And he's using the worldly things for the glory of God. And what can we use? What has God given you for his purposes? When the world system, you know, they're devouring its own. Jesus is saying they're shrewd to one another. They're undercutting one another. Where can we, the church, shine? Where can we fill in the gaps and make up the difference? Where can we use what God has given to show mercy and to cancel their debt. This man canceled these people's debt. But I believe God is calling us to cancel the debt, spiritually speaking, to show mercy uh, when the world is undercutting one another. Think about it this way. I'll give you a few examples. Uh, think about uh, that waitress. You go to the restaurant, and there's an obnoxious crowd of people over here sitting next to you. We've all been there, right? Uh, and they are, they're mean and, you know, and all that thing. They're the worldly they're doing what worldly people do. And you're sitting over there, and you see that waitress, and she's working hard, and she's stressed, and she's tired out, and you don't know what's going through her day, but you know that when they get up and leave, that they didn't leave a tip. Show mercy. Fill in the gap. Use what God has given you. We should pay that tip. We should honor that servant's heart and, and, and be a good student with what God has given us. We would be the, let us be the people that fills in the gap when the world cuts its own. We need to be the people that show mercy and cancel the debt of this world. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, maybe you're, you're working a job and uh, the sing, there's a single mom on your shift, uh, your rotation, and, and you know that she's been out a lot with sick kids, and all of a sudden she's used up all of her earned time off, and her boss won't give her any more. We need to take that shift. We need to work in place of that person. She needs a day off, that single mom going through a hard time. We should be the type of people. They say, I'm going to make up the difference. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to use this world system against itself, and I'm going to show them. I'm going to make heavenly friends for God's glory. I'm going to show the mercy of Jesus Christ. Think about it. It's caring for the widow in our community when Social Security barely covers her needs and when her own worldly children don't even care for her. It's working hard to take up the slack, even though you have lazy co-workers, because you know serving the Lord and serving your boss is the same thing. Scripture says, serve your boss as you serve the Lord. And I honor, and I'm going to honor, even though my coworkers are lazy and I won't get any credit for it, and they're all going to, it's this team effort, but that you're working double time because they're all lazy. Because you know they're worldly, but you want to serve God and you want to honor your boss so you care enough about your company to double time it. That's, Christi- that's what he's talking about here, church. Turn the world system upside down. Be a Christian uh, and clever in the way you do it. You know, showing charity in this world will not only help us make friends in, on earth, but it's going to help us become a better friend of God. We're called not to be just—not uh, uh, we're called to be just in an unjust world, to be givers more than gainers, to show mercy and grace uh, when the world's devouring its own and cares nothing for them. We're to use the world's system for God's glory. We need to be a people at sanctuary who's known for. Helping the elderly, helping the poor, helping those in need, uh, ministering in the places where the, the world... I'm, I'm telling you, right now, even in Gina, there are so many gaps in social services. There are so many people trying to make it on their own, and they call the church every week. They do. Ask any of our staff. Every week, I take a financial intake interview with people to find out where... No, there are so many gaps that this world uh, doesn't care about its own. But we need to be the type of people that is known by the world that we are saying, God, I want to make that difference. I want to be known for my charitable giving. I want to be known for healing racial and ethnic divisions. I want to be a good and reliable employee. I want to speak positively and and not gossip about my coworkers or my boss. I want to give the largest tips at the restaurant. I want to volunteer in my community. I want to be that type of person, God that's known for being a good steward, that makes friends in the world, turns the world's system upside down. And let's go on, verse 10. Because he says this, He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth or unrighteous pursuits, he says, Who will entrust true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Stewardship. Stewardship. The most important thing about a steward is that they be faithful. God has given us so very much, spiritually and physically. God cares for all of our needs, and He's saying, I've given you so much, I want you to be faithful the master and a steward, the master and steward relationship, the master must trust that steward to oversee their money, oversee their home, and oversee their family. You think about that. How much do you trust someone? How much would you trust someone? What kind of character of a person and who would it have to be and what kind of interview would you have to have to allow someone to come in and run your home, run your checkbook, pay all your bills, cook the food for your family... Fill your car up with gas, mow your yard. Who would you trust on this earth to do that? Cricket, cricket, right? Some of us wouldn't even trust our own kids to do it, right? Probably, for sure, our grown kids, you know? Uh, Some of us don't even trust our spouse to do it, you know? (laughs) Uh, Don't be looking around, people. All right, hey, God is saying, I've given you and you and you the keys to this house. I've given you ownership of my church. I left. I sent my Holy Spirit to guide you to finish my great commission. I've given you power, authority over principalities and powers, demons uh, crumble. You know, I, I've, seen you, I've given you power over strongholds. I've given you financial income and resources. I've given you relationships and love and joy and peace. I've given you all these things. You have the keys to God's house. You have responsibility to manage what God has given, to oversee the church grow, His home grow, not just the local church, the universal church, the, the big C. You have that power. God is saying, you are my stewards. How seriously do we take everything God has given us? What do we do with it? Today, we've been called to manage what God has given, not for our benefit, but His. it's been loaned to us. God has given you your time, your talent, and your treasure. And sometimes I think about it this way, you know, a lot of things that we do, we give God the leftovers, and if you're a steward, I'm guessing that that steward never prepared his rich master leftovers. We love leftovers here in the South, and uh, we were talking this morning, you know, chili's better the, the next day. But if you have an honored guest coming to your home, how many of you going to serve Leftovers. No, you're going to pull out that best recipe. You're going to put it on that table. You're going to clean your house. You're going to put that nice china out there. you got that honored guest coming. In the same way, but how many times we give leftovers to God? We are the stewards of the richest man and all the universe. We're not giving leftovers to God. God, oh, here's a few minutes of prayer at the end of my day. Oh, God, here's a few minutes of Bible reading if I get time this week. Oh, God, maybe if I get to go to church and fellowship in your home, and, and maybe, God, if I, if I get the chance after this season of, menace, of my work or this, this job I'm at or that after-school curricular activity or that hobby after deer hunting, maybe I'll get to go serve in your house and, and minister to your people. Leftovers. Let's not be serving leftovers to God. Because we want to be faithful. Three things I want to tell you this morning to be faithful with. Faithful with your time, your talents, and your treasure. Uh, Stay with me here this morning. Faithful in time. Faithful in time. God gave us time. You know what time is? Opportunity. Time is opportunity. He postpones his judgment. The Bible says he is postponing his judgment and giving his church time to reach the world. And then the end will come. The gospel will be preached to all the world. And then the end. He has given us time. He has given us opportunities. He says, church people of God, saints of God, I am giving you the gift of more time because I'm not willing that any should perish but all should come to everlasting life. God is giving the church time. And it's not your time. It's not my time. It's His time. Every ounce of breath you have left on this world is given to you by the grace of God to one purpose, reach the world for Jesus Christ not for my own gain, my own pursuits, or my own opportunities. The every breath I have been given has been given on loan from God to reach other people. If I'm a Christian, that's that mandate. And I ask myself today, are, am I too busy neglecting opportunities to do God's work? Am I serving in His house? Because Jesus commanded this steward for the wise use of His opportunity. So in Galatians 6.10, so then while we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. Do good to all people while you still have time. Every moment on this earth is an opportunity to reach someone else for Jesus Christ. There is an eternal soul going to hell today. And right now. And right now. We have been given time. How faithful are we with the time the Lord has put on loan to us. Secondly, like it is talent, faithful with talent. You know, God has given every single person in this place talents, gifts, and abilities, and skills. He loves you so very much. When you were born, He put awesome things inside of you. Some of you can sing. Some of you can and, and make people laugh like nobody else can make people laugh. Some of you have a great personality. Some of you have the gift of giving. Some of you are very creative uh, to to uh, think of things that nobody else can think of. Some of you are great planners and resourcers, administrators. Some of you are great with kids. Some of you are not great with kids. That's not your gift. Some of you are great with older people, right? God has put things, something, in every single person. And he says, that's on loan to you. You won't need all that stuff in heaven. That's just for right here, right now. And he says, uh, Am I too busy neglecting opportunities to do His work? Am I, uh, have I poured out all my talents in this world system that I have nothing left for God? I can be so busy giving the world my talents and not His kingdom. Think about it. You know, think about all the... Uh, there are a lot of great names. I'm not going to mention uh, people specifically, but there are football players who use their platform. They play football. But they're giving it to God's glory, you know some names. There are there are uh, comedians, there are TV producers, there are actors who that's their gift, their talent, but yet they do it for God's glory, right? Uh, there are, we we watched a, a, on our video for our leadership training this month on our leadership team a a boat company down in Florida that says we're going to get we're building boats, but we're going to build boats for the glory of God. That's what God has gifted them with. That's what they're good at. But they do it all for the glory of God. And there are so many times we can so be so easy, uh, easy to look at the things that God has given and say, well, that's just, you know, that's just hunting. That's just fishing. That's just doing this. That's just what I am. I just draw. I just do that. Or, or I'm, I'm just, that's who I am. No, how can we flip it and say, use the world's things, the world's goods, and flip it around and say, God, this is a ministry opportunity. This is something you've put in me, not just for my gifts and my own pride and my own abilities, not just because that's just who I am, but God, you want me to do something with that for your kingdom. Not everybody can be pastors and preachers. You can only be you. I'm called to be me. You're called to be you. It's all a part of the body of Jesus Christ, and nobody can do what you do but you. Nobody can do what you do but you. First Peter 4 as each one has received a gift. He didn't say who, or maybe you did. He says, each one has received a special gift, so employ it. I love that word. Employ it, because we're talking about stewardship. Put it to use. Employ it for the service of God. Employ that personality for God's service. Employ that ministry of prayer for God's service. Or, or maybe you cook good food. There are people here often who are employing that great, wonderful gift for the glory of God and, and to us, our, right here, right? It's for God's glory. But it, when you think about it, it promotes fellowship, it promotes love and unity uh, when people uh, use those gifts. And whatever you do, 1 Corinthians 10 says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Are you using your gifts for the glory of God? You think about it this way. Christians should be the best employees, right? Christians should be the best athletes, Christians should be the best musicians. We should be the best nurses, mechanics, and even oilfield workers for the glory of God. Turn this world system upside down. Turn it upside down. When they're undercutting another person, you step in the gap and you make up the difference. When they're they're crucifying one another, you step in the gap and you take one for the team. When someone else uh, has pushed someone else to the curb, you take them by the hand and you pick them up. And you show this world How the kingdom of God can advance into every avenue, in every school, in every room, in every workplace, in every level of society. God can anoint His church to do some awesome and mighty things. Amen? Amen. Faithful with treasure. This is the cricket part. Ready to get it silent? (laughs) Somebody told me I preach a lot on money. I thought that was funny because I've preached through the words in red for the last two years. I uh, like, ooh, Jesus. This is Jesus' sermon this morning. Jesus, he says, be faithful. God gave us possessions. Are my finances prioritized to give God's house first? I'm talking about just this church. I'm talking about his kingdom. Think about it this way. Does debt limit me from serving the Lord more faithfully? It's his money, remember? Does the world system or maybe the things of this world, money, control me? And, and maybe there's material possessions that God has already given you that are available that you, he's wanting to employ for his use. You know, I think of it this way, you know, quite often men at this church, even this last few weeks, have used their uh, material possessions for the glory of God. Quite often, men in our men's ministry will use their tools to help fix things in our church. That's God's gift. That's their tools that God gave them for God's glory. Uh, pick on Wayne Chapman. He's I don't know if he's here this morning, but quite often he uses his backhoe and his tractor for the glory of God, either for people in our church or here in our church parking lot. This last couple of weeks ago, we had a church hayride. The prices gave us their house for the glory of God. John Smith loaned us his, tractor, or his truck and his trailer for the glory of God. It's not always about giving cash. It's saying, God, I'm, I'm here. These are, my res- these are resources you gave me. They're here to be used for the glory of God this we're we're whatever God has given it doesn't it's not about how much it's not about what it is it's about being faithful with what you've been given can i do good with what i have it's not about being controlled by worldly goods putting those things away god maybe i'm not good with credit cards we'll put them away don't use them Maybe you can't handle those types of things. Well, let God uh, take control of that area of your life. You know, sometimes we, we, we look at sin issues and alcohol, and, and, and th- we need to think, think also about overeating. We also need to think about debt and credit cards. All these areas, Jesus is saying, this is all affecting you spiritually. Look at these verses again. He says, if you've been faithful, verse 11, if you have not been faithful in the use of what is unrighteous, who will entrust the true riches of heaven to you? If we, uh, we as Christians need to be able to handle our money. Can I be that bold? I'm just going to be bold this morning. Jesus' word just says we need to be able to handle the things of this world. The pride of this world. The, the job levels and security of this world. We need to be handled the gain of money, of debt, of our cars, our house. All that needs to be able to be handled. Because if I can't handle earthly things... How can I handle spiritual things? Because God sees those as greater. And He's saying, and and maybe that's not your gifting, and maybe it's your spouse's gifting. Give it to your spouse, or whatever it may be. And we're not, again, talking just about financial things of cash, but the physical things of this world do affect us spiritually if we cannot handle them. Right? Right? Okay, good, good, good. And I'm going to keep going because I didn't stop there. Be honest. Be honest. You know, our houses, God has given to us our houses. My house should be decent and in order. That's God's house that he gave to me. This is God's house, but you know what? God didn't just give me this. He he gave me the house that I rent. I should be a great renter to my landlords. I should keep that place clean, the yard mowed. I'm not talking, now for all of us, the word clean who have little children like I do, that's a relative term, right? Clean is a relative term, but it should be in order. And I should treat my car with respect. I should treat my home with respect. And and, not, and I'm not picking on anybody, all right, this morning. But he's saying the physical things of this world reflect us spiritually. The world, think of it this way. If my home is not in order, how can I invite guests over? I need to be using it for God's purposes. You think about uh, the things of this world. Uh, I need to be ready for hospitality if God should send me something. Think about that burdening debt Maybe it's limiting me for a ministry that God's wanting me to start or, or, or minister to a missionary. I need to be free of those things. And In this world, it's hard to avoid debt and car payments and house payments, all those things. But there shouldn't be a burden that is weighing on my mind because that will affect me spiritually. Working out of debt so I can be a better kingdom giver. Maybe there are things I don't need that I can't afford that I need to get rid of. I need to be on time with my bills. You know, in a small town like us, especially when you're renting for somebody or uh, the small utility companies that we have around here, I get a reputation on how if I pay my bills on time or not. I should be a good steward, have a good reputation. And all the landlords say amen, right? No, I, we should have a good reputation to be on time with our bills, To uh, even around the marketplace in the, in the, uh, the uh, city today, to be trustworthy and i people of our word. Because if we are not of our word and keep our appointments and keep our commitments, how are we reflecting the kingdom of God? This is getting personal this morning. Down to earth, words in red. We should should be so invasive to the world system that we flip it upside down. To use the world's goods for the glory of God and say, God, how can I glorify you more to be the best renter, the best borrower, the best lender, and God the best giver? The church should outshine every government agency who gives. Woo-hoo. Everybody wants to hark on Medicaid and Medicare, but what about the church? Hmm. We are the ones that are called to make up the difference in a world that devours its own. We, the church, are called to be the ones who give to the poor, the needy, the outcast, the elderly, the widow. It's our job. It's not the government's job. It's the church's job. Amen? This is scripture here. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and rust destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, those who are truly rich in God's house are rich in faith, Matthew Henry says. I look at this world system and I see it collapsing. And, you know, sometimes this fear grips you. I, I like doomsday prepping and, you know, homesteading stuff. I read that thing. You know what? Am I more concerned about the fear of losing worldly things or losing heavenly things? Am I more concerned about losing material possessions or people going to hell? This world is going to collapse. Newsflash, headline. It's going to collapse. But I want to be so motivated that I'm making friends on this world using this world system to turn it upside down and say, God, I'm bringing people with me. When I come home, we've got a train coming, right? There's, there's a bus with, that we're going to load up, and we're all going to make it there, God, because we've been making friends. This, while this world is devouring itself, and it's crumbling, we're the people who give hope. God, we're the people who turn the... We're not controlled by the things and the finances of this world or the pride of this world or the times and restraints of this world or the talents that people just squander away and they never use them for anything that amounts to anything. But God, I'm going to use my time, my talents, and my treasure. All the things that, God, you have entrusted me as a good steward. I'm going to flip this world upside down. And I'm going to bring people to heaven because, God, that's my mandate as a good steward of what you've given to me. And he finally ends and says, No servant can serve two masters, for he'll hate the one or love the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and gain. You cannot pursue the gain of this world and the gain of God. We cannot pursue earthly things and heavenly things. We've got to be pursuing what God has called us to do. We have been entrusted God's house. We need to be using it, using the things of this world. No divided loyalty inside of us. One author said this. He said, Far too many professing Christians are making the same mistake as the Pharisees in this chapter. With their lips, they honored the Lord, but with their wealth, their pursuits, they lived like the world. May not be able to serve God and the things of this world, but you can use the things of this world for the glory of God. You can use the things of this world to serve God. Am I more concerned with gaining better houses and vehicles and guns and clothes, or am I more concerned about showing mercy to the poor? Am I more concerned about helping the victimized and freeing the oppressed and saving eternal souls that go to an eternal hell? Because I trust in the word of God that says, when I seek first the kingdom, everything I really, really need will be given to me. And then the next verse we often skip in verse 33 that same chapter of Luke. He says, Sell your possessions and give to charity. Jesus was so very faithful to you and I that He became a friend to you. He became so invasive that He left His heavenly abode, got down in nitty-gritty with the world, invaded it, turned the world's system upside down and made you and I a friend. He, he didn't pursue his own gain. He pursued your gain for God's glory. Amen. He pursued you. And he's saying the same thing. Guys, just as I left my heavenly abode and got down in the nitty-gritty of this dirty and vile and wicked world, I made a lot of friends. I made a lot of enemies. But my friends, I made for God's glory that we would go back up to heaven together. He pursued the lost. That's what this passage is all about. we got to get into the world, church. Get down into the nitty-gritty and flip the kingdom of this world upside down and say, God, I have my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm on loan for you. God, I want to be a good steward. I want to get invasive. Use whatever position. You're not going to all have a pulpit, but you have a pulpit out there. You have gifts and abilities only you can do for God's glory. Miss T, would you come back?